with us. My name is Brian Howe. I'm the associate pastor here on this campus. Now, I don't have to yell at you, but it is so good this morning just to be able to uh, step forward this morning and just share God's Word with you and continue on in this second sermon of our series called Connected. So if you remember last week, Pastor talked about kind of our upward relationship with God, right? And he said that following God determines the direction of all other relationships, And he made this phrase, he said, your relationships are a map of your life and a mirror of who you are. And the two questions that we're going to kind of ask over and over as we go through this series, if your relationships are a map of your life and a mirror of who you are, then do you like what you see and do you like where you're going? And so what I want to do today is we're going to look at the life and story of Noah and we're going to see this flood account and we're going to see how Noah's upward connection with God ultimately impacted his inward connection with his family. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, this morning's message is called Inward, Our Relationship with Family. And we're actually going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. But then we're also going to flip over to Genesis chapter 6 and and go through chapter 8. Now, I'm not going to read all of that. We're going to kind of sample through that and and take out some key points with that. But we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you're with me, you can follow along there if you have your Bibles. If not, all the text is going to be up on the screen here behind me. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. And so Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And so my morning, this morning, my takeaway, my bottom line, if you will, is this. It's our connection to family must be founded in our faith in God. Connection to family must be founded on our faith in God. So let's pause right here. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come together this morning. We open your word. We're just so grateful for you. We're just so thankful that, uh, as we're going to learn today, that you had a plan of salvation for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he was that plan. And we thank you that he ultimately was obedient to you, putting himself on that cross and dying for our sins but then three days later coming back to life so that we can partake in the victory that he won for us. And so, Father, we just pray that today that, that your word and your spirit would work in concert in our hearts and lives as you just inform us of, of what you want us to know today. Help us to uh, look into that mirror or, or glance down at that roadmap that we're on and see where we really are and ask those questions. Do we like what we see and do we like where we're heading? And so, Father, be with us today as we talk about our relationships with family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so as we begin, what I want to do, instead of going back and reading Genesis 6 through 8, those three chapters, I want to kind of highlight a few key points for you. So the first thing we know about Noah and this whole flood account is that Noah was a man of faith. We just talked about that in Hebrews chapter 11, said that he was an heir of righteousness that comes through faith. We also know that God was displeased with all of mankind except for Noah. And we know that God spoke to him, and he instructed him to build this big old thing called an ark. And we also know that by holy, reverent fear, Noah was obedient to the commands and the instructions that God had given him, building it right down to the the exact specifications. We know that through this ark, God saved Noah and his family from the coming judgment and destruction. And so if we look all the way over to Genesis chapter 6, if we flip there, what we see in the beginning portions of that chapter is that there was a lot of corruption on the earth, and God was very displeased with the way things were going. And so picking up there in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. I don't like that statement a whole lot, but I'm grateful that there was a plan in place in the, in the, in the, even as we read through that verse. And so the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animal and all creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But then look at this next verse here. He says in verse 8, he said, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is going to take us kind of to our first point this morning as we look through this account of Noah and what his inward relationship with family really means. And so our first point this morning is this. Your life decisions impact not only you, but your family as well. So every decision that you make is going to impact somebody else in your life. So again, our upward connections, they will ultimately impact those inward relationships that we have with family. And we see as we read on here, if we go down to verses 11 through 14, it says that the earth was corrupt in God's sight. This is kind of continuing on with that narrative there. And the earth was filled with, filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them from the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And you skip down a little bit in between those verses there. God gives them some instructions on how to build that thing. He says, for behold, in verse 17, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh with you. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. So God's determined to make a covenant. He's made a promise now with Noah. As long as Noah follows through with the instructions that God gives him. So again, his, his decision is now going to impact his family. So go down to verse 22. It says, but Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. And so as we look at this account, what we know here is that Noah was given instruction by God to go and build this, this great big, uh, we would consider it more of a, a modern day wooden oil tanker. Think of something that big. God gave him instruction to build this ark, and he said, go and build it out of gopher wood, and here are all the exact dimensions and specifications, and do all this stuff, because, Noah, here's what's going to happen. I've seen the corruptness. I've seen the evil in the world, and I don't like it. I'm displeased with it. So I'm going to end all of it, but I'm going to save the world through you and your family. And so, Noah, I'm asking you, will you obey me? Will you trust me? And that's exactly what Noah did. Think, think about this now. Think about what Noah and his family must have been going through as he received this instruction from the Lord and God said, go out and do this great thing for me because it's ultimately going to save you and your family. Think about the ridicule. Think about the gossip. Think about what the neighbors must have been saying on the neighborhood apps, right? Here's Noah going and chopping down every tree in his neighborhood, trying to build this modern day wooden oil tanker in his front yard. Think about what your neighbors would say about you. What if you went outside tomorrow and started chopping down every tree in the neighborhood, and they came and said, what are you doing? He said, well, God has given me instruction. I've got to build this big old boat, and it's going to save me and my family, but all you guys are going to die, so I've got to get back to work. Can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine the, the gossip? Can you imagine what would happen when your wife went to the supermarket and all the people pointing at her and saying, there's that crazy Noah's wife. Look at her. What about his kids? Right? He had three sons here. Now, we don't know exactly how old everybody was in this. Uh, many Bible scholars would estimate that it took Noah about 75 to 120 years, roughly, to build this ark. So how old were his kids at the beginning of this? We don't really know, but just think about as they were hanging out with their friends. They're going, hey, how about you guys come on out? We're going out Friday night. We're going to go to these things. Oh, well, we can't. Dad says we've got to stay home and help build this ark. Oh, your dad's crazy. 
What's he mean? God's going to kill the world. God wouldn't do that. He loves all of us. He's not going to kill us. Yeah, right. He's not going to kill me, but the rest of you are in trouble. So I got to go home and help my dad. So just imagine what they were going through, right? This is ridiculous to think that this is what Noah and his family had to go through. But again, that decision that Noah made, it impacted himself and it impacted his family as well. And thank God that Noah did that. I mean, what's a modern-day illustration I can give you based off of something that I've gone through? Where, where's been my ARC experience? And I have a lot of different things that I could have talked about. Um, many of you know that Coastal Chesapeake was able to continue or start because of a church called Bethel. Uh, we decided a few years back, we went through some uh, turmoil and a couple uh, different things, and we went through about a season of four years. We were trying to determine what does God want for us as a church? And so we came to the conclusion that God ultimately wanted us to seek outside help. And so we didn't know what this help looked like. We didn't know what this meant. Ultimately, it, it, it kind of started landing on, uh, hey, maybe an adoption with another church is the right thing to do. And so we started praying about this and really seeking the Lord in this. And we got some counsel from, from some other churches and through that, we had determined to adopt in with another church. Now, this whole thing is amazing and great. We could talk about that later, but this isn't where I'm going with my point. I want to get to where this impacted my family, although this really did impact my family, but there was something greater as we adopted in with Coastal. So anyway, we were adopting in with this other church. Everything was great. We were about a month away from voting on that, and then all of a sudden, this thing called COVID hit. Does everybody remember COVID? Right? Y'all remember what happened there? So everything shuts down. Many churches had to close their doors because they couldn't hang on. And so this church came to us and they said, hey, look, we, we really want to go forward with this adoption, but there's a little bit of a problem. Uh, financially, we just can't do it. There's some other things, other things are concerning us that just, it's not going to work out for us. And so I'm sorry, but we can't adopt you. We can't go forward with this. And so we took a step back as a church and said, okay, uh, what does this mean? And so we began to pray some more and really seek after the Lord on this. So were we making the right decision? Were we really seeking after what you wanted, Lord? And we ultimately said, yes, this is what we wanted to do. This is where God was leading us as a church. And so during this kind of in-between time, before we started talking with Coastal, my wife and I had been getting stirred from the Lord, and we decided, hey, we're in the middle of COVID. We don't really know what's going on with the church but man, this seems like the great time to sell our house and move closer to the church because at the time we were living about 40 minutes away in Suffolk. And so it was kind of inconvenient just having to travel 64 and, and get over here and do all this stuff. And they started that road construction. And so we were like, this just, just we got to do something else. And we really felt the Lord stirring us to sell our house and move. And we're like, but Lord, why? Like, this is a great home. It fits us. It's got everything we need here. We're, we're near our parents. This is a great thing. What in the world are you doing? But as we continue to pray, we continue to be impressed that this is what God wants from us. So we end up selling our house and moving about five minutes away down the street to the, near the uh, Royal Farms there to the townhouses that are outside there. And, and in that, I'm getting finally to my point of how this impacted my family in the way that I want to tell you. But in that, uh, we, we uh, came to this whole adoption with Coastal. So there was a whole lot of in-between stuff. But we, as we were moving into that townhouse, I got the final phone call. From, I just want to let you know, we've really been praying about this. We've been seeking after the Lord on this, and we want to go forward with this adoption. There have been a whole lot of things happening in between that I haven't put in this story. But we went ahead and got the adoption with Coastal. We were able to adopt in with Coastal. And through that, here's where I'm landing the plane on this point, finally. We got these two great guys. We got one named, we got Pastor Sagree. He's a great guy, too. But I'm not talking about him right now. I'm talking about... 
Pastor Hunter, wherever he may be right now, but we got Pastor Hunter, there he is back there, and we got this guy named Pastor Aaron Flug, and we know that Aaron, he's gone off and he's become a lead pastor in Florida, but both of these young men, uh, they, they start pouring, oh, there's emotion coming, that wasn't expected, uh, <clears throat> these two men started pouring into the life of my two older sons, <sighs> thanks Hunter. All right, so, but these two men really start pouring into life, my two oldest sons, and uh, it, it's just been an amazing thing. I, had we not moved five minutes away, what they started doing was meeting with both with each of them uh, at least once a week. They were just kind of meeting, going through the scripture together, talking about life, really just just being there for my kids, being a mentor and a discipler to them, and so I, I can't express my gratitude for both of these guys, and uh, I it just... Right now, you're probably not understanding the full magnitude and the weightiness of what this means to me, but this meant so much that we got these two guys and how much they poured into my kid's life. It was based upon the fact that we decided as a family, because we did pull our kids into that decision to move, we decided that the best thing for us was to do something that seemed kind of completely crazy at the time, but we're going to sell our house in the middle of a pandemic, move closer to a church that we don't know if it's going to be here in the next coming year, and, and see what God's got in store for us there. And through that, we saw our kids' lives impacted because of that decision. And so, again, our decisions not only impact ourselves, but they impact all of our family as well. And I think that's exactly what Noah knew here. In all that Noah was experiencing, all the ridicule, all the persecution, all the gossip, all the, the neighborhood pointing at him, everything that he went through, he knew that he must trust God in the moment because God had something greater for him. And he knew that this was going to impact his family in a great way. See, every action that we have has a consequence. Every action that we take has a consequence, whether it's positive or negative. And thank God that Noah went forward, and, and, and this was a positive uh, consequence for him and his family and for all of us, because he continued on to be obedient to the Lord. He built that ark, and he saved his family from the coming destruction. And for him, we all get to sit here today and have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so again, your life decisions, they not only impact you, but they impact your family as well. Again, it's that upward connection that ultimately impacts our inward relationships with our family. So our connections, our takeaway, our connections to family must be founded on our faith in God. So let's move on a little bit here, and let's get to point number two. Point number two is this. Your legacy must be greater than your earthly accomplishments. You see, as Noah was building this boat, he wasn't thinking that, gee, I'm some master shipbuilder, and I'm going to leave behind a mega yacht for my kids in the years to come. He wasn't thinking about, I'm such a great animal tamer, I've got all these animals on my boat, or I'm such a great winemaker, and all these different things. You can read about that in the coming chapters. But Noah wasn't looking to his earthly accomplishments and the things that he was doing as his legacy. Noah knew that his legacy had to be founded on his faith in God. So this morning, the question I want to ask each of you is, what's your legacy founded on? As you're looking at your life, your roadmap, and your mirror, do you like what you see? Do you like where you're heading? Do you like the legacy that you're building for your family? Because again, we know that, that all these earthly things, they'll one day just vanish. And what will we be left with? And so what can we truly pass on of importance to our family? And I think it's a legacy of faith. And I think that's what we see displayed here with Noah. So faith is this. If we read in chapter 11, verse 1 of Hebrews, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of the things not seen. Noah trusted God 
when he said there's going to be this, this great catastrophic annihilation of the world. He trusted in those things yet unseen, as Hebrews 11:7 says. And Noah, in reverent fear, he said, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you ask me. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. But you've asked me to do this thing, so I'm going to be obedient. And I'm going to do this thing because you've asked me to do it. And in doing that, he was showing his family what a legacy of faith really looks like. So let's quickly talk about what is faith? We have to, to kind of wrap our minds around this idea of faith if we want to then leave a legacy of faith. So I want to give you kind of a few, a few key bullets of, of faith. What does faith involve? And so I think as we look to faith, faith is, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a few things we have to think about faith. So faith first starts with belief. And it's not just a belief in anything. It's in here we know there's a belief in God, right? Noah believed in God. Faith also involves trust. Noah trusted this God that he believed in, that when God said he would do something, he was going to do it. And so with that trust also came a, a little bit of loyalty, but then also there was this reverent fear that Noah had, this respect, this awe for this God that he believed in. And it's through that reverent fear and, and, and that respect that he then decided to obey the Lord. And so as we look to the things that God is calling us to do, first, do we believe in God? Do we even believe that there is a God out there that created each and every one of us, that loves us and cares for us? And if he so chooses, he can annihilate each and every one of us. But we know that he's already chosen to love us. So it begins there. That legacy that you need to leave begins with faith. And then works itself into a trust and a loyalty based off of God's love, based off of the reverence that we have for him that ultimately leads us into obedience. A few other scriptures we can look here. With Noah, we look to Genesis 6, 9. It says that Noah was a man of righteousness, blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Genesis 7, 1 said that as God was putting him into the ark, him and his family, it says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. These are the things that God said about Noah. My question to you is, can God say these same things about you? What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look down the road? What is your legacy becoming? So I want to talk to you. How do we leave this legacy of faith for our family? And this is kind of more practically for our children. What's this mean as we talk about leaving a legacy of faith for our family? And so the first thing is we know this, a legacy of faith, it must begin with pursuing after God. That's going to be the first thing that we have to do. In order to leave the same legacy that Noah left, we believe in God and then we pursue after God. And everything we need to know about him is found right here in this book. He's given us everything through the pages of Scripture that teaches about who God is, what he expects from us, and how to have this relationship with him. So the first thing is we have to begin pursuing God. The second point in leaving a legacy of faith is that we also then, we must share our faith with our family. And so how do we do that? Let me give you a few practical steps here. We can share our faith in, in many ways, but probably the best way is first we need to, to share with them what the gospel is. We need to share with them the fact that Jesus is God. We need to share with them the fact that because God loved us so much that he sent Jesus into this earth, fully God, fully man, to be the perfect sacrifice, live a perfect life, to be that perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us here today. And because he put himself on that cross willingly, he paid the price and the penalty for our sin. But then three days later, after being buried in a tomb, three days, not two, three, he rose himself from the grave, 
defeating death, defeating sin, defeating hell, defeating all of the other adversaries in life so that each and every one of us can experience that same victory and have that relationship with him. That's the beginnings of sharing our faith with our children and our families. We have to seek Jesus, pursue him, and then share that faith. Share who is God, who is this God that we know and love and trust. That is him right there in a nutshell. Another practical thing that we can do with our families is get involved where your kids are involved when it comes to their spiritual lives. Many of you have children. They go over to our children's department. Some of you have kids in our students' department. You have college-age kids. And I would say meet them where they're at right now in this stage of life. Don't let this pass you by. Don't let the church be the ones responsible for the only ones that are pouring into the life of your children. I'm grateful for Hunter and Aaron, but at the same time, I'm doing things as a parent to try to get into my lives, the kids, the spiritual lives of my kids as well. And so do the same things. If your kids are in children's ministry, go serve over there. If they're in student's ministry, go serve over there. You say, well, I need a break for my kids. I don't want to spend, I spend all the time with them. That's fine, but spend more time with them because this is the important stuff. We have to pour into our lot, the spiritual lives of our children if we want them to grow up and not turn away from the faith. That's not to say that some won't, but at least if we have trained them in the right ways, we know that one day we can have that hope that they will turn back to the Lord. And so I want you to get involved in your kids' spiritual lives, wherever they are. Another practical thing we can do is at home, right? It's important to come to church. It's important to be together with a community of believers and get encouraged and go back out there and do the things that we need to do for the Lord, but it also has to start at home. I would encourage you, Pastor talked about spiritual formation classes. One we did here back in the winter, we did this one called family worship. And in family worship, it was a very simple class. But here was the basic elements of family worship. We talked about what does it mean to have worship at home with our families. It involves this book right here. You open it up and you read it. You sit down with your kids. You find time with your family. You pick a passage and you just read it didn't say you had to be a Bible scholar and be able to explain it all. It just said spend time together reading it. The second thing, it said pray together. Take a moment, pause, talk about what's going on in your life, and then pray for your kids. Pray for the things that they're going through. Let them pray for you. This is one of the things that I love. Now, we haven't gotten this perfect at home, right? I'm trying to leave a legacy of faith, but I don't have this perfectly worked out. You can ask my kids. We don't have time every single day where we sit down and read Scripture together. Now, they're doing their quiet times, we're doing ours, but at the same time, we've not done that collective time of coming together and reading Scripture or praying. Uh, we do pray every night. I'll take that back. We pray every night, but we do not often have time to get in our prayer journal as much as we want to. And for us, that's something we've started. It's been kind of neat because what we do is we talk about our prayer requests, we talk about the things that are going on in our life, and we write it down. We just jot it down in this little boat notebook. Nothing fancy, nothing super spiritual about it. It's just a notebook. And we've written down, like, okay, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I got this big test coming up today, so I want, or tomorrow, I want to pray for that. Or uh, dad's got this thing at work, so we're going to pray for that. Or mom has this thing, so we're going to pray for that. Or uh, grandma or granddad has this. Or my aunt and uncle has that. Or a friend of mine, here's something we can pray about. Or, you know, whatever the case is, we've been writing it down, putting it in our prayer journal, and then praying about those things. But what's been neat is we can go back, and, and as a few weeks or months go on, We'll turn back in that prayer journal, and we'll start reading through that again. And it's neat to see just the faithfulness of God working in our life, because as prayers are answered, we'll mark them off. We'll maybe make a little comment like, yeah, that, that test result came back great. You know, uh, Praise God for this. And we start marking things off. But then that also gives us an opportunity then to also pray for the things that God has not yet answered. And so I'd encourage you, as you're trying to figure out, how do I leave a legacy of faith for my family? Start pursuing after where your kids are spiritually. 
Take some time, read scripture at home with them, and then take a moment to, to pray. Pause and pray with them every single day. There's nothing super fancy about how to leave this legacy of faith behind. You may not get it perfect. You may not feel like you're doing it right. But the important thing is to be obedient like Noah and do it. Leave behind the legacy that God wants you to leave behind. Last thing I want to hit you with, the last point we've got for this sermon today is this. Actually, let me step back one, one, one final thing to say on leaving a legacy of faith. As you pursue after your kids, as you share Christ with them, we also need to make sure that we're modeling Christ in our homes. Right? Again, as we're spending time with the Lord, as he's revealing things to us, as we're, we're praying about things, about life situations, and about goals and objectives and all these things, make sure that you're showing your kids what it means to live out this legacy. Make sure you're showing them what it means to live out this, this faith that you have. Again, that's the beautiful thing about these prayer journals. That's the beautiful thing about taking time to pray with your kids is you're showing them where you're vulnerable. You're showing them where you have questions and concerns, concerns but you're also showing them the heart of Jesus in this. And the fact that I don't know everything, at least we can pray to the one that does. And so as you do this, you start to model your faith to them. You don't have to have everything put together and put that facade on for your kids. And that's okay. God will figure it out with you. He will show you how to do this. But you have to be obedient and try to model as best you can who Jesus is in the life of your family. And so the last one I want to make in the sermon today is this. It's never too late for a new beginning. As we've talked about Noah and his legacy and, and the things that, the decisions that he's made, we've been sitting here and talking about all this stuff, but I know some of you are kind of questioning, well, you know, Brian, I've really blown this. I, I've, not, I've not been the best father. I've not been the best, you fill in the blank. Or, you know, I've not really spent enough time with the Lord like I should. Or how can God really be pleased with me at all? You may be questioning all of these things, but here's the great news. Like, it is never, ever too late for a new beginning. It's never too late for a new beginning with Christ, and it's never, ever too late for a new beginning with your family. And so here's the first thing. We need to connect back to God, right? The first thing we need to do before we can leave that legacy, before we can impact our family in a positive way, before we can model all these things, we need to get things right with the Lord. As, as Noah was coming out of the ark, I'll read this to you from Genesis chapter 8. As Noah was coming out of the, the ark, all the water had subsided, Everything was over. The disaster was done. But Noah came out of that ark. And it says in Genesis 8, 20, starting there. It says, Then Noah built an, an altar to the Lord and stood and took some of the clean animal, every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intentions of his heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike them down, every excuse me, never again will I strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they will never cease. God's declared right there, it's never too late for this new beginning. So it's never too late for you right now. And so if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted him and started that relationship, I want to encourage you, make today that day that you connect in with him. Pastor said it last week, our upward connection to the Lord is the most important connection we have because it directs every other relationship in our life. 
And so if you want to impact this inward family relationship, you need to first get things right with the Lord. So if you want to do that today, I encourage you. I want you to come down front. I want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to pastor. I know he'd love to talk with you as well. We'll have a prayer team down front. We want to pray with you. We want to help you understand all of what we talked about earlier. Jesus is God. He came to this earth. He lived that perfect life to become that perfect sacrifice so that we can have our sins forgiven through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And today can be the day that you put your trust in him and make that upward connection. And the last point I want to make is about our families. It's never too late to connect with family. And I know we've been kind of talking about this kind of perfect rosy picture of what family, the dynamic family model, and it can look this way, and you, you, you leave a legacy of faith for your, your kids and your family and do all these things, but maybe you're sitting there and you're going, Brian, you do not understand my family. You, you do not understand the hurt and the pain and the disconnection that me and my family have right now. You don't understand what we've been going through. You don't understand that I've been abandoned by my family. And you're right, I don't understand all of those things because I've not been put perfectly in your shoes. But I know that family is messy. My family's right over here. We're not perfect at all. I got my parents. I got my immediate family. Like, we're not perfect by any means. It could be messy. But it's never, ever too late for a reconnection. And so what I encourage you, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. But I want to encourage you with this. As we've thought about our legacies, as we've thought about all of these things, I want to encourage you to take on the, the, the mindset of Christ in this. Hebrews 11.7 says that, that Noah, he, he essentially condemned the world through his efforts and saved only his family. But if we look to John 3.17, we know that John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But John 3, 17 says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so if this is the mind of Christ, this is the heartbeat of Christ, then that should be our same heartbeat as well. And I know our, our families may have pained us, they may have hurt us, they may have abandoned us, they may have done all these terrible things to us. But I want to encourage you to seek after that forgiveness and seek after restoration. Now, it may not come perfectly. It may not come at all in some cases. But never give up the hope that your family would eventually turn back to Christ. Never give up the hope that maybe one day there can be forgiveness and restoration. Now, forgiveness, let's, let's paint this clear picture here. Forgiveness is not about somebody saying sorry to you. And maybe in some cases here, you might need to go ask for forgiveness from somebody. You might need to go and apologize for something you've done. But forgiveness is not about that person saying sorry to you. Forgiveness is about saying, I'm putting that sin behind us. Yes, you've hurt me. Yes, there's been pain, but that sin is now behind us, and let's look forward. That's what Jesus did for each and every one of us. He said, that sin is now behind. Let's look forward to the future. And with forgiveness, there always comes restoration. That's what we see from our Heavenly Father. And again, this may not perfectly play out in your life, but seek after it. Restoration is not going back to the way things were. We might have to put new policies or new, or new rules in play because we have to ultimately protect ourselves and our loved ones. But restoration means that I'm going to still seek after trying to restore something here and make it good. Because sometimes in our efforts to forgive and restore, God can make things even better than they were. So I'm going to encourage you, each and every one of you, take on the mind of Christ, right? We know from, from 2 Peter 3, 5, 3, 9, it says that, that God is not slow, as some count slowness, but he's patient with us 
He's patient, hoping that each and every one of us would come to a place of repentance and begin that relationship with him today. And so wherever you're at today, remember, it's never too late for a new connection with God. It's never too late to connect with him and to connect with family. Our takeaway is this. Our connection with family must be founded on our faith in God. And I'll put this caveat in there too. Remember, you never ever are the ones that save your family. But as you pursue this legacy, as you seek restoration, forgiveness, all these things, you show your family the image of Christ in you. And it's through that, through your prayers, that hopefully maybe one day God will use that and allow his Holy Spirit to be the one that brings a conviction, that brings a forgiveness, that brings a repentance, that brings a regeneration and a justification found through Jesus Christ. So never, ever stop praying for your family. Never, ever stop trying to model for your family this legacy of faith. I want to leave you with those two questions again. Your relationships are a map of your life and a mirror of who you are. So do you like what you see? Do you like where you're going? I'll throw a third one there. Do you like the legacy that you're leaving behind? Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you always had a plan of redemption in mind for us. That even though you saw the evil in the world back in Noah's generation, that you said, I choose to still, to still save mankind. I choose to bring salvation and forgiveness to this earth. And we're so grateful that your servant Noah was obedient to you, that he left behind this legacy of faith, that he left behind a legacy of righteousness and obedience. And Father, I pray today that through his example, that you would begin to pierce our hearts for what it means to live for you. That you would help us in understanding that there is never a time where you're ever going to say it's too late for us. You continually offer new beginnings day in and day out. So today, Lord, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they put their hope and trust in you and begin that relationship with you. And I pray today, Father, that that same heartbeat would be the one that we carry into our family relationships and the dynamics of that family uh, struggles that we have, Lord, that you would tell, just pierce our hearts for the, this, this desire to have forgiveness and restoration brought back to our families. Even if it never, ever truly happens, Lord, we just pray that you would keep us consistent in our prayers for our family, consistent in seeking after that forgiveness, consistent after seeking after restoration, and consistently trying to be the light of Christ in our family. So, Lord, we just pray all these things today, Lord, just asking you to work in our hearts fresh and new. May your spirit just continue to work in our lives and show us how we need to connect with you so that we can truly connect in with our families. In Jesus' name we pray.